Hey everybody, welcome to the What Is Money Show. I am thrilled to be sitting down today with Mr. Hotep Jesus. That Hotep Jesus dude. What's up, man? How you doing, bro? Good, man. I like the intro. I've never had anyone do that before. It's very, oh, yeah. very slick. I come with my own sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Uh, so, Hotep, uh, by way of introduction, you are a social scientist, tech entrepreneur, and an author yeah. uh, of the book, The Patriot Report, Unmasking the Conspiracy of Money and War. I right. hope I said that right. So welcome to the show, man. It's very Thank nice you. to meet you. It's an absolute pleasure. I, I chose the title social scientist because it makes me sound important. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't have a title. And I was like, uh, given all these different titles and then I settled on social scientists because uh, I have a really high social IQ and I study people and I study our nation and um, everything associated with it. And I like studying people, you know, I study psychology, et cetera. So I settled on social scientists to make myself seem more important than I probably am. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's working. I'm very impressed. Um, so this, one of the things I, I've stumbled on your work, as I was mentioning offline on Twitter, I was checking out a couple of your videos recently. One of the things that came up uh, in your social scientisting was this idea that the facts just don't matter anymore. Mm. Um, and you started to talk about the ideas of Rothbard as well, which mm -hmm. is someone I've become very partial to. I've, I've spent past couple of years reading a few of his books. I did a long form series with a guy named Max Hillebrand on Rothbard's book, The Ethics of Liberty. Okay. And I don't know how much you've looked into his work, but um, he really makes a strong case against statism and yeah. at almost every level, you know, moral case, pragmatic case, economic case. We, let's just talk about that. A little. What's going on? Why do facts not matter anymore? What's changed? Saul Alinsky would tell you that. You know, if you ever uh, studied Saul Alinsky rules for radicals, it'll show you why the facts don't matter uh, and how they manipulate people based upon their emotions. What really matters is the strategy with said facts. Um, you know, facts would matter on this side of the political aisle, but on the other side of the political aisle, it's all about emotions. Uh, so when you have facts going up against emotions, well, frankly, the emotions are going to win. In fact, you can see it in the numbers. If somebody were to have a podcast and they were to talk about, uh, you know, Joe Rogan is canceled being racist. And then they have another one on, um, <clears throat> I don't know, uh, Biden and, uh, him wanting to issue an executive order to study the regulation of cryptocurrency. Well, you know, which one's going to get more clicks. Um, you saw it in during the Trump era, uh, everybody in the podcasting space, streaming space saw at least, uh, a 50% to 100% de decrease in viewership uh, after Trump left office. Um, Trump had emotions running on high in this nation. At least the media made sure it was that way, the mastery media. Um, but the average uh, uh, pleb doesn't value intellect. <clears throat> if they did, certain things in this sphere would be more popular than others. Um, I long for the day that um, when I talk about modern monetary theory or policy, that it gets more clicks than when I'm talking about some random celebrity drama, right? Or, you know, let's say Joe Biden stutters. Like if we talk about Joe Biden stuttering over his words, that's going to get more clicks than something that actually matters in our lives, right? So I long for those days, but the facts really don't matter. What really matters is what you do with the facts, the strategy of it all. Um, what are you going to do with the knowledge after you receive it, right? So some of us, what we do is we get trapped into this um, ego trip on, on knowledge. I was a victim of it when I was younger as well. You run into this knowledge, you want to tell everybody about it and scream from the rooftops, hey guys, guess what, this, 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 that, and the third. And then you get older and you wisen up and you start realizing like, well, if I know all this and most people don't want to listen to this, maybe I should just use this knowledge for myself. And then that became a focal point for me. So I said, instead of trying to teach others, let me just take my knowledge and apply it and show people how successful you can be with the knowledge. 
So in my book, The Unbreakable Rules of Masculinity, I made the statement, I said, demonstrate, do not explicate. So it's not a matter of, you know, what the facts are. It's a matter of what can you do with the facts? Then you show people that and they go, oh, wow, that's really cool. How did you do that? And it's like, well, here are the facts. (laughs) And and, and that's where you kind of want to work from. That's really cool. I um, can sort of relate to the ego trip with knowledge that I, as I mentioned to you offline, discovered that book, The Creature from Jekyll Island, when I was a young man, probably like 19, 20, 19 or 20 years old. And then I thought basically I'd found the bottom of the problems in the world, right? That central banking was really the root cause of a lot of problems, you know, warfare, wealth disparity, social unrest, et cetera. And I tried to like, I guess, explicate <laughs> and it just fell on deaf ears a lot. Right. So, yeah. um, what, what is it over what's changed again? Because over the past, it seems okay. we used to have this liberal intellectual tradition in the West where people actually did concern themselves with facts. Mm. Um, so as it seems like over the past kind of 50 ish years we've just gone into like this weird uh social hysteria of some kind where people where the facts don't matter but what is it is this i can't help but look at the past 50 years too of going off the gold standard for instance i feel like we've really corrupted our our social or cultural fabric is that related to this disconnect from factual reality hollywood it's hollywood's fault man (laughs) (laughs) hollywood uh corrupted what it is to be American. They really shaped what the American family looks like. They shaped our values. Everything that comes out of that screen is debauched and decadent. Uh, and that's what we have to be careful of. Your culture is the most important thing, you know, because for example, I grew up on this show called Saved by the Bell and the coolest guy in there was not the smartest guy. And the smartest guy in the room was actually like skinny and weak, right? So that's how they portray intellect to be skinny and weak. And then the guy who had muscle, you know, he was dumb, right? Mm -hmm. So, but he got all the girls. So it was like for a guy, you're like, well, maybe it's more important for me to be physically fit and not so much intellectually because the skinny geeky kid didn't get any girls when Mm -hmm. technically there could be a hybrid, right? It could be um, like the paladin, right? The warrior Mm -hmm. wizard, right? Which would be more important. So what if Hollywood gave us those types of, programming right but our programming has reduced the importance of education um self-education i should say being an autodidact and um and then and then you have the rockefeller controlled uh rockefeller controlled um education system right um which is basically communism because it's a centralization of power this time you have the centralization of education and then they start dumbing you down and then and then they're destroying your culture through the school system as well because you know let's say you're taking sats and you read a short short story i can program your mind with that short story these short stories that you do to pass an english test i mean you know it's like uh well susie has a wife and it's like wait hold on susie has a wife wait wait what you mean susie has a husband no susie has a wife how many eggs did they have right (laughs) so quickly you can see how you know, through a math class, you can change the culture and minds of people. So, um, you know, like uh, something that was really sneaky is um, Susie has eight apples. John took two. Well, did John have permission to take two? Did he ask her to take two? Right. Like little stuff like this is what could um, intercept the mind of a child and, and bring it to a place that it should not be and, 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 and debauch the culture. Um, so that that's that's it. Uh, also, um, political correctness, which is like democratic thought, or I think mm-hmm. what they call it now is um, mass formation psychosis, mm-hmm. um, which I would call democratic thought. <clears throat> Not only because it's uh, wholly led by the liberals and the Democrats, but because it is a form of democracy where there's a mob, the mob rules, whatever the majority says. <clears throat> that's what it's going to be. And that's the thing that had us locked down for the past two years. Um, and then what happens is once that goes into your higher education institutions, 
such as universities and colleges. You have people such as uh, Thomas Sowell, who studies economics out in Chicago, <clears throat> and um, is experiencing things he's never experienced before. Because in most colleges, well, it's it's quite liberal. For example, if you go to UCLA and learn economics, you're probably going to be inundated with some Keynesian school of thought. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get your Rothbards, um, you know, uh, your Mises. You're not going to get that type of uh, free market laissez-faire economics. Um, so, 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 a lot of the stuff, you know begins with culture because your culture is going to tell you where your mind will point and then the rest is about economics you know we talk about the plight of the black community a lot of it comes down to economics Mm. um and not so much social change um the economics changes social uh for example if you're broke and you try to get with a girl she's gonna be like ah get out my face you have nothing to offer but if you got a money and a nice car all of a sudden she's like hey what's your name right and you increase your value in the market everybody wants you so it's a matter of like you need to think of the black community it's like okay what's their gdp what's their gmp right um so yeah so you, you start looking at like what's the output right like what's the output of of this grouping of people and then you can start to see what their real value is in the global market and in the national market but um the socialists and communists don't want you thinking um in in in, in the world of free market economics <clears throat> they want you to blame somebody for your problems, et cetera. And so they take a, a very logical uh, conversation, they make it emotional, and they manipulate the uh, the Black voting block, which is mostly um, the intelligentsia of the Black community, the influencer class, the upper to middle class, and then they usually influence the lower class voters because the lower class voters are, are, are depending on their intelligentsia. And then you say the same thing with the conservatives where they've allowed the Republican Party to be um, wholly owned and controlled by the rhinos and they keep voting in Republican senators uh, who don't have their best interests at heart and mostly because their uh, intelligentsia has failed them also. So all across the board, you see the intelligentsia class who works underneath the oligarchs are controlling the minds of the masses, but the minds of the masses aren't smart enough to decipher who's a good uh, member of the intelligentsia and who's not. And, and, and that's, that's where all this comes down to is uh, the intellect of the individual is the, is the intellect of the individual uh, at a point where they can discriminate between what is good information and what is bad information and what is information that has already been scrutinized and has not been scrutinized. For example, when we look at the medical experimentation over the past few years, you know, has the information been scrutinized? Information has not been scrutinized, has not been scrubbed by opposing views thoroughly and for the public to see. And, and for that reason alone, an intellectual class of people would understand that the information cannot be trusted because all scientific information needs to be scrutinized, needs to be challenged, needs to go through the scientific method. <clears throat> and that has not happened. Um, so again, uh, main, main, main three problems, culture, um, which leads you to uh, having a strong intellect, which leads you to understanding um, economics. I don't know what I just said there. I just ran. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a lot. Thanks for unpacking that. So let me, Double tap on one thing you said there. So the subliminal messaging, it sounds like that's embedded in education. Yeah. This is a planned, it must be planned. I mean, I don't know how, how it would get there, but what's the agenda? What's the agenda there? If you're trying to insert some, something in education that actually disables education, are you, is the aim to just have a less intelligent, cohort of people to control them with emotions because if Absolutely. they if they develop intelligence and they're resistant to that kind of control intelligent people don't need a government the government exists <laughs> the government exists at least they purport themselves to exist to solve problems okay <clears throat> an intelligent class of people can solve their own problems therefore it render the government obsolete hmm. government agents sit in a room they think of problems, <clears throat> then they slap a budget on it. In fact, when we look at the story of Thomas Sowell, Thomas Sowell, he, he starts off as a socialist and he said he didn't stop becoming a socialist until he actually worked in the labor department. He works in the labor department and he said, uh, yeah, I came up with a formula to solve the problem of minimum wage. And he passed it around, passed it around, and he got ignored. 
And that's when you realize socialism was garbage. These people actually don't want to solve the problem. They want to sustain it because when you sustain it, they can keep a budget. People keep getting jobs and so on and so forth. Poverty pimping, as um, Walter Williams would call it. Um, so so you have that you have that uh, that angle, right? That side of it all. Um, also, what it is is about creating chaos. So unintelligent people make unintelligent decisions and therefore it creates chaos. Chaos, again, creates the need for government. So you and I get into an argument. We start fighting. We got to go see a judge. The judge has to handle our problems because us idiots don't know how to handle them on our own. <clears throat> um, so, uh, again, intellect usually leads to uh, maturity. And maturity leads to solving problems um, without the need for an intermediary, at least not one that's uh, a government. But uh, they do want to dumb us down uh, because, well, when they write up their bills, the thousand, two thousand, five thousand page bills, even if it was five pages, the average person wouldn't be able to understand it. I think the average reading level right now is like below eighth grade level. Um, again, when I put out intellectual content on my YouTube channel, it doesn't get as much views as the emotional content. Um, and that's because simply because people don't understand it. It's just over their head. I've done presentations on things uh, as far as economics is concerned. And I've had people at the end say, I have a lot of studying to do just to understand what you just said. And I'm like, I try to dumb it down as much as possible. <laughs> so I try to explain every point, but you don't realize how far advanced you are from from people you might think something's basic to you uh and you're just saying something that's going over all right over their head so you got to dumb that piece down um so uh again also the areas of focus in education areas of focus in education don't the, the style of teaching is is wrong first and foremost um to compartmentalize the subjects makes absolutely no sense you cannot separate language arts math and science that's all one class. In order to perform science, you need math. In order to perform science, you need to be able to read. So I can teach science, math, and English all in the same class. I don't have to create stories of Susie had five apples and John took two. No, this atom has five electrons, <laughs> right? Like I can teach math and English all in one uh, subject course. Um, so it's that it's that segmentation of the classes, which makes absolutely no sense. Um, you know, you should probably group that all together and teach one subject. And you have kids spend less time in the school system, too, at least on a daily basis. Right. Like they're there from like eight to nine right, or, or, or nine to five, like it's a job or something like that. Damn near. Um, so, you know, um, also like. Uh, they teach them the, the, the value of doing homework and homework is just training for when you go get a job, you still work in the after hours for your employer. Um, and then they're not learning anything of, of any substance. For example, um, I had to teach my kids Bitcoin, right? The school is not teaching mm -hmm. them Bitcoin. They're not mm -hmm. teaching them about blockchain technology, the things that are the, our future, right? The, 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 the whole entire subject matter is antiquated. Um, Unless you get an elective course, you're not going to learn about how to invest in the stock market. And even my daughter got an A in her investing class, knows not a single ounce of anything about investing. <laughs> you know, and she's a straight A student. Um, but it's different from when you, you tell somebody to remember these facts and spit it out in the test, as opposed to saying, hey, take $100 and buy this stock now that you're invested like you can't teach investing without investing <laughs> mm -hmm, <laughs> right mm -hmm. right so the system is just it's just designed to fail from the very start well yeah it's dispiriting to hear it put that way but it sounds quite true one of the quotes i heard from thomas Sowell recently that really blew my mind was the first rule of economics is scarcity and then the first rule of politics is to ignore the first rule of economics <laughs> Right. That's so true. Um, and this, I think this is the root problem with government is this unavoidable truth that it's much easier to spend other people's money than it is your own. Right. And you spend it frivolously, right? Because you have no skin in the game. You have no, there's no cost to you. You're just 
stealing money and wealth through taxation and then throwing it at, at problems, as you describe. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is very frustrating because it's very self-defeating to dumb down society in this way, in my opinion, because knowledge is such a critical component of wealth. Mm-hmm. So in this effort to try and control the population, you're actually constraining the population's ability to create wealth, right? I think we could be much wealthier if we would take the shackles off. Um, and I guess that. How do you define wealth the, though in that situation? Well, I'm, I'm actually writing something about this right now, but wealth, I think there's three components to it. There's how much time we can save, how much energy we can harness and how much knowledge uh, we can gain, frankly. Mm-hmm. So when you're when you're trying to dumb down a population and get them to fit into a box or routinize their behaviors, mm-hmm. you can look at China, right? China's got this hugely mechanized economy, but there's almost no innovation in China. Right. They just copy the innovations of the West because mm-hmm. all of their people are so mechanized. There's no they've they've bled the creativity out of it. Correct. So if we would stop doing that in the West, like that's how we got that's how we became so wealthy and prosperous in the West is we had very uh, very stable rule of law and low to no taxes early on. And that's what made the U S the U S right but now we're flipping the other direction clearly. So given the importance of knowledge and clearly you're an autodidact yourself, but I'm guessing, I mean, it sure seems like it. Yeah. What advice do you have for aspiring autodidacts that want to break free of the, the chains of education? Uh, you got to live like somebody's taking away your time. Right. Like the communists are literally like stripping away your time. Uh, just, uh, you know, if you want to make it simple, just through the uh, mechanism of inflation, your labor is being stolen. So if you work for a dollar today, tomorrow, it's not going to be worth a dollar. Okay. Next year, it's not going to be worth a dollar. So they're stealing your time. So it means you got to double down on your time. There's no time to waste. Um, there's no time to relax. There's no time to chill. Um, I mean, do we need to have breaks? Do we need to have um, mental health breaks, vacations, et cetera? Absolutely. But I think we need to figure out ways to turn productive things into breaks. For example, my hobby is playing chess. So my break is studying chess. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then my break from studying chess is studying Spanish, right? And then my break from that is studying some other subject matter. So my breaks are equal studying. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have downtime. Uh, downtime is when I sleep, when I'm up, it's just back to feed in the mind. Um, you know, I hate to be um, cliche, but knowledge is power, man. And, mm-hmm. and, and the more knowledgeable we are, the less we can be fooled. Uh, you know, when we had the whole pandemic situation happening, hoteps, I mean, uh, a lot of our education and how we educate our people begins with health, the body, um, science etc um so when the whole situation came down we were like hold on this doesn't make any sense and why would you want to lock down a population of people that goes against um how the immune system works um you you need to be exposed to things (laughs) right like that's how the body builds a resistance so to lock people down technically would make um, said bacteria and viruses more potent and deadly and us weaker when we do come across them. Um, and they're seeing, obviously the studies are coming out now and saying herd immunity is has, lasting longer and not, 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 not. It's just like, oh, duh. like, you know, if you knew anything, but when you have a, a, a population of people who the first time they heard the term antibody was when it came out of the lips of Dr. Grifty, then, well, yeah, you can dupe those people. You can fool those people. Um, when you have a population of people that don't know about the lymphatic system, um, that don't know uh, about the interferon adaptive and innate parts of the immune system, gut brain axes, um, and just general health, you know, vitamin, getting your vitamin D, getting your minerals in, um, making honey a part of your daily diet. Um, hydrating yourself, getting some sun, right? Like just the basic stuff, <clears throat> you know, um, working out. Like the foul was one of the biggest red alarms, red alerts or red flags was when um, they're like, oh yeah, you know, McDonald's and Target's open, but you know your gym? Yeah, your gym can't open. It's just like, wait, <laughs> it's a deadly uh, virus outside. 
but I can't go to the gym. <laughs> the gym is going to increase my heart rate. And when I increase my heart rate, it's going to increase the blood flow. And that is actually what begins a cleansing process of the capillaries and veins, et cetera, et cetera. You don't want, you know, uh, stagnant water grows mold. So if you ever have mm. like a stagnant pool of water, let it sit. After a while, it's going to grow mold. It's going to grow. Things are going to grow there. So if you mm. think about your blood the same way, when you're not constantly working out or, or increasing your heart rate to flush that system and get those things moving, well, guess what? You're going to have things start growing in there um, mm -hmm. that are going to attack you. And um, so, yeah, you know, uh, it, it just starts with, I think, first and foremost, when we follow the Hotep school of thought, the first thing we study is the human body. That's why they couldn't pull one over on us, man. You just got to study the human body, biology, period. And then after that, you want to get into your, uh, your economics, because your economics mm -hmm. is going to tell you what, you know, once you know what the body needs, now you know what to get from the economy and what people want. Mm -hmm. For example, that's why China is so big, because China understood what the human body needed. They said, oh, everybody needs shoes. So they started the manufacturing facility. So everybody gets their shoes from China, right? So that's why you got to study the human body. Once you study the human body, you can start conquering economics, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like you saw, um, quinoa became very popular and those, spike, those prices spiked and et cetera, et cetera coconut water became a big thing because the human body needed coconut water um but yeah you know start with the, the human body understand you know all the different parts of your systems um and then move on to economics mm. yeah it makes sense uh, economics is all about giving people what they want and to right. know what people want i guess you need to understand people correct so sound sound advice there let me ask you then this Clearly, we're not doing that. Like, we almost don't even have economics anymore with all this government interference and central planning. Like, it's it's really getting messed up. And I like how you describe the how you describe the communist hierarchy. Um, mm. What? Yeah. So, is that what's happening? Is that we have this communist impulse, which maybe you could just describe what that is. Is that yeah. just invaded so, Western civilization recently? Uh, communism is uh, a tool. It is a a a system, and a system um, which is quite natural in many ways. Like you can see communism inside your household, right? Like mm -hmm. dad calls the shots. <clears throat> yeah. So they've taken something and try to make it <clears throat> for the masses, uh, because what it requires is a centralization of power. So the people at the top don't practice communism; they want us to practice communism because that means that they get to control everything. So it's not really about wealth or anything like that. It's more about power and control, and they like to balance the powers. That's what the whole Russia-Ukraine situation is. It's just a balance of power, you know, and they destroyed the czar out there with the whole Russian revolution, et cetera, et cetera. That was just a balance of power because Russia just had too much power, and they want to install their central banks everywhere. So it's a balance of power. Same thing happened with Germany. You know, Germany wasn't cooperating with the banking powers. And they're like, well, we got to put this nation into debt. So then they roll out the Dolls plan and the, uh, and the, um, what was the other reparations package that they made them pay? Um, you know, and they and they rolled Young's plan, Dolls plan, Young's plan. And then they roll these things out. And uh, now Germany has to pay his reparations, which is debt. And then the bankers go in and they bail them out. And then they finance both sides of the war. So this is like a whole balance of power game that they're playing. Um, you know, um, <clears throat> but the whole communism aspect of it all, again, is just the utilization of emotions. You know, communism is a very emotional argument. Oh, you know, poor people need to eat. Poor people don't shouldn't be starving. Correct. You're absolutely right. In fact, when I study Marx's work, I'm like, I mean, you're not saying anything technically wrong. It's just the application of your solutions that is just completely absurd. Um, yes, I agree. The middle class are a bunch of a-holes. <laughs> you're absolutely right. They don't care about anybody but themselves. And that's what I tell middle class people all the time, right? Like, especially like middle class conservatives. I say, do you understand that the communists literally thrive off the fact that you ignore the lower class? <laughs> like they yeah. weaponize the lower class against you because you ignore them. And, and, and that's what Karl Marx talks about, how the middle class um, ignores the lower class. And therefore, we need to tax the middle class to pay for the lower class. So it's like if you took that upon yourself to look out for the lower class and make sure they were cool, 
they wouldn't be able to weaponize them against you. Mm-hmm. But the people you've ignored have become your enemies. That's why you see the Black community, you see organizations like Black Lives Matter or the Black Panthers. You always see them associated with communism because the communists actually show up and provide them a solution. So if mm-hmm. you had you shown up and said, yo, Black people, you having a problem with the government, let us help you. Whether nefarious intentions are or not, you would have had control or some leverage over that group. But you allowed the communists to have that leverage over the group, and that's why you lost that battle. The same thing with the poor, same thing with the gay, same thing with the handicapped. The communists go and they find minority groups or oppressed groups, groups with a problem, and they exploit them. And then they weaponize them against the middle class because the middle class is the only competition that the upper class has. And that's the whole point of creating, you know, licensing and all types of um, barriers. For example, when we talk about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, you know, you go look at how much it costs to get a money transmitter license in a place like Texas. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a half a million dollars. And this is Texas. You know, Texas is supposed to be the freedom state, right? It's but- supposed to be the place where we go. And it's like 500K mm-hmm. to go get a money transmitter license in Texas. It's like, Texas, this is not the way forward, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so true. You know, um, so so the, the, the battle is fought. The upper class is is sided with the lower class. But the upper class convinces the lower class that the upper class is bad. Meanwhile, the only people that the lower class attacks is the middle class because the middle class is the one having the conversations. The upper class, you don't even see them. So they're not having Mm -hmm. the conversations. So when they're yelling and saying, oh, the 1%, the 1%, they can't put a name or a face to it. (laughs) But they can put a name or a face to a Donald Trump or somebody with a MAGA hat on. That's an easy target. So they'll weaponize and say, here are the people that are advocating for the same system that gave the oligarchs their power, a.k.a. capitalism. Hey, everybody. As you've no doubt learned by watching this show, Bitcoin is the single most important asset you can own in the 21st century. And one of the most important companies in Bitcoin today is Nidig. Nidig's mission is to get Bitcoin into the hands of as many people as possible. One of the ways they are accomplishing this mission is by empowering banks and financial technology companies to offer their own Bitcoin products and services. As a true game changer in the industry, Nidig is safely unlocking the power of Bitcoin for forward-thinking individuals and institutions alike. Led by Robbie Gutman, Yin Zhao, and Ross Stevens, Nidig has absolutely exploded onto the Bitcoin scene recently and has quickly become a leader in this space. So whether you are a professional investor looking for asset management services or a company looking to white label your own Bitcoin product or service, consider Nidig your single source solution for everything Bitcoin. Meanwhile, The oligarchs did not come into power because of capitalism. They came into power because of communism. Mm -hmm. The destruction of competition. We saw Mm -hmm. that with DuPont. If you go ever look at the the history of DuPont and how they destroyed competition by lobbying the government to make certain things illegal so they can control the the chemical production of plastic, outlawing of hemp, right? We all know that story. So the, 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 it's like you're playing a ball game and after you win, you get to change the rules. That's what they exactly. do. They yeah. win the game, then they change the rules. And then they say, hey, you know, if you want to get here, well, it's a different set of rules now. And um, they do that through the centralization of power. That's why I hate Alexander Hamilton because Alexander Hamilton is reading Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution and sees something completely different from everybody else. It's like, what are you looking at, bro? <laughs> yeah. What are you looking at? <laughs> You know, you kind of just want to slap him. That's why that dude shot him. <laughs> he didn't shoot him soon enough. You're saying something here similar to what I've written about is the power to change the the rules is the power to win in perpetuity. Clearly, right. like if you can make the rules of the game, how can you ever lose? Right. And so there, it seems like common. This is very interesting because I guess in this communistic hierarchy, there's someone that tries to get on the other side of that table where they can make the rules. Right. But then you keep everyone on the other side of the table fighting amongst themselves. Correct. So you can just basically keep keep winning, right? You're just stealing from this, these people, keeping them distracted in their own fight. Exploitation, um, yeah. 
And it's always done in moralistic camouflage or these appeals to like the greater good. You know, Marx's credo was from each according to their ability to each according to their need. Now we have this COVID thing where it's like, you know, stay at home and mask up and jab up for the greater good of society or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's, and there, and it's all fictional, right? There is no actual collective. The collective is always just a group of individuals and whoever's right. saying that it's coming from an individual that's pursuing their own ends. They're right. not actually serving any greater good. They're just trying to sell you a greater good to get you to follow their orders. Right. But people don't understand that. And it's like, again, back to that. It's so complicated because once you prey on the emotions, people get stuck there. They get stuck at that level. Well, what they do is they, um, <clears throat> they cover gold with shit. For example, <laughs> if, um, <clears throat> if everybody drove past, um, the manure site, let's say there's a manure site in your town and it just stinks and it reeks, right? That would be the best place to hide diamonds and gold. Nobody's going in there. So that's what they do. They hide great ideas in manure, right? For example, a great idea is conservatism or one, uh, one uh, idea is conservatism, but they label it with the term racism. Racism would be the manure and say, oh, this is racist. Um, Trump, right? They, they tarnish Trump's name. They, they throw manure on it. So when you mention the name Trump, nobody's even going to take you seriously from the time you say something good about the guy, no matter what your idea is, how sound it is. So that's what they do. They tarnish it um, in people's minds. For example, if you were to even use the term um, capitalism, these people's minds would shut off because that's been drilled into them that that is a white supremacist system and it's how slavery started and, you know, all this hoopla, whatever, mm. when really that's like the only way to be free <laughs> is yes, through exactly. free market economics. And, yeah. And it's in the damn name, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But this is a screwed up part too, because the twisting of the language, like even today, yeah. who we, what we call liberals, Right. right. Liberal originally meant people that advocated for low to no government. And now it has gone completely opposite of that. If you're liberal today, Massive you want status. Big, more government, more coercion, more compulsion. How do we fight that? I mean, I, I wrestle with this all the time. It's like if you attack the language and you sufficiently confuse people on the language, it's like, what? El how, how can I then reason with anyone? You're just stuck uh -huh. in that emotional layer. You can never get to the intellectual layer. And even if you can... The words don't work because they've twisted the language so much. So what can we do? Well, well, that's the trick. Um, they want you fighting them. It's like uh, trying to fight quicksand. The more you mm. fight, the more you sink. Mm. Um, and that's what they want. They want you fighting there because basically what happens is you're fighting on their battleground. They own the words. <laughs> they mm -hmm. own the word racism. They have a monopoly on it. They own the word capitalism. In fact, capitalism was... Um, wholly marketed by socialists. It wasn't even coming into use until, um, you know, Karl Marx and the use of Das Kapital and, and thereafter. They're, that That's their word. That's why sometimes I try to stay away from it. I might use it in speech so people know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. But I try to just say laissez-faire free economics because it's more direct mm -hmm. and to the point. Um, <clears throat> but they do own these words. So once 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 you enter their battlefield, you're on their battleground and they have the upper hand is they got the high ground. So you can't win. So that the trick is not to fight. The trick is to completely ignore what they're doing and focus on you. Right. For example, um, there's something I see contradictory sometimes from uh, a few individuals. I'm not sure if it's the minority, the majority of the conservative. Right. But they'll hold. Uh, on one side of their brain, the Fed is bad and the Fed. And on the other side, Bitcoin's a scam. And it's just like, wait, hold on. Do you realize like big, like those two ideas, <clears throat> you can't hold both of those at the same time. Like they're diametrically opposed. Um, Bitcoin is literally the reason why the Fed could be rendered obsolete. Um, but they don't understand that stuff. Right. So it's like you have the freedom convoy. Right. And then they want to send money to the Freedom Convoy and they're sending Bitcoin. They're like, but but how are they going to 
turn the Bitcoin into cash. And it's like, again, why are you playing the game? Why do you want to turn this stuff into dollars? Stop it. You just said end the Fed. And the first thing you want to do is take your Bitcoin and turn it into a Federal Reserve note. Stop it. Like, stop playing their game, right? So like, that's the trick is they, they want to keep you playing their game, but you don't have to. You, you can come outside of the game. Um, you don't have to respond to their debauch culture. You can pull your kids out of school. Like Hotep Nation's mission is all about homeschooling. You can pull your kids mm -hmm. out of their defunct school system and build mm -hmm. your own school system. They have this thing called accredited. All right, accredited by who? Why don't you mm -hmm. have your own accreditation system, right? Based mm -hmm. upon conservative values. You do not have to participate in the system. You don't have to participate in their economy. You can create your own economy. In fact, conservatives control a lot of the economy. A lot of the blue collar workers are conservatives. So you control a large part of the economy. Use that as leverage. Mm -hmm. Check your culture. You don't have to go and watch the, the botched nonsense that goes on in Hollywood. Produce your own movies, but you've ignored entertainment and said entertainment is stupid, but entertainment is a necessity. People mm -hmm. do need that distraction to take their minds off of things and sometimes to take the mind to the next level, places that the, the mind never thought it could go. That's what makes some of the um, movies such a, so alluring, right? Because you, mm -hmm. it just puts new thoughts in your mind. Mm -hmm. But you need to produce everything all new again and stop playing in their game. The more you play in their game, the more you lose. It, the, the thing is like, it's the same play I've been giving the black community. It's the same exact play. We both have the same enemy It's the state. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's the same enemy. If we ever look at something called Jim Crow, Jim Crow was not installed by white people, it was installed by the state. And it was uh -huh. installed by the state because black people and white people were in cooperation. And certain a small group of individuals didn't like that, right? So they said, we have to pass laws to stop these white people from hanging with black people. It's the state. The state has always been a problem. Uh -huh. In fact, racism is because of the state. When you start uh -huh. taking from one group to give to another, I would see why you'd be racist. I was eating good, and then now all of a sudden, my paycheck slashed in half because I got to work with this other cat. I, I can't get into the university because they got affirmative action. Mm. I can't do this because they got to... Nah, like, it should be based upon merit. Like, stop passing mm -hmm. these laws. And mm -hmm. I tell Black people, if the white institution don't want you there, you shouldn't want to be there. <laughs> yeah. Build your own institutions. And you know who, who, who in the meantime does just fine every other group. Asians over index in, in pretty much every single area except for basketball, football, <laughs> and sports, <laughs> period, right? Black folks got one side of sports, white folks got the other side of sports, but the other groups over index in every other area. Why? Because they put their, their, their nose down, um, they put their, their head down, got focused, put the blinders on, and got to the things that mattered most, and that was economics. Why do the Chinese control so much of money in, in San Francisco? Because they control the trade routes. Right. They had black girls trying to ship, you know, they do the hair weave situation, right? And so well, these black girls popped up um, a, a hair supply store. Come to find out they went out of business a few months later. You asked the black girls why. They said because the Asian cats wouldn't, wouldn't sell to us. You thought the white man was your problem. The Asian man said, nah, shut this down. <laughs> And it had the power to because they control the supply lines. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So that one time, this is I don't know if this is a true story or a hypothetical story, but as the story goes, the urban legend, a Chinese man um, is doing a deal and the black man come to me like, yo, I'm going to give you this product at a cheaper price. He's like, nah, I'm good. He's like, what do you mean? I'm about to give you a cheaper price. He's like, that's what y'all don't get. It's not about price. It's about control. As long as I do business with my Chinese brother, we control this entire industry. You could never get in. So hmm. again, it's about, do you understand how the economy works and how high are you in the supply chain? For example, when we took at sports, everybody had uh, the amalgamation of blacks and whites in baseball, you know, through Jackie Robinson, which I don't see as any kind of hero whatsoever. In fact, I would call him quite the opposite. I have some choice curse words for him. Anyway, um, hmm. 
how how do you integrate into a corporation without ownership? That doesn't make any sense. You asked to be an employee, like you fought to be an employee. I would never fight to be somebody's employee. I would never fight to be in somebody. I get insulted. I was doing a, uh, somebody reached out to me, um, a social network, a popular one too. One of the, I would say probably top 10 social network reached out to me and we had some back and forth and I was trying to make some suggestions to him. And he was like, yo, if you want a job, just say so. And I'm like, a job? <laughs> like, what? You could never hire me. Like you don't have enough money to hire me to work in, at your corporation. You could throw me a million dollars. I'd be like, nah, just give me equity in the company <laughs> and I'll be an advisor. But I'm not working. Like I literally worked my whole life to not work for somebody else. Right. I'm free. Why would mm. I give that up? And when you go look at look at the black people and the, and they, they the NFL and they complaining. You don't got not one team. So you telling me that you integrated into the NFL way back in the day when they didn't want your black behind, but you didn't think to integrate at the ownership level first because nobody taught you economics. Mm. They taught you emotional. Oh, I just want to be seen. They should let us in. We, we want to be on TV too. No, you need to want to be on the boardroom. Mm -hmm. That's where the decisions is made. And now they complain, oh, we can't get a football team. I wouldn't let you in either if I was the NFL. For what? It's mine. I built this. Why would I? Why do I need to let you in? Go build your own league. You're you're seventy percent of the league. You can't build your own league, <laughs> <laughs> and and you can't even organize your people enough to have your players stop. Do you know what a massive black boycott of sports would look like in this country? Crazy. You, you couldn't, I couldn't even imagine. I don't even know what that You would drive like. people crazy. Yeah, for sure. You see what I'm saying? How That's a lot of power. Mm -hmm. I mean, TV is literally run through the NFL. I have friends from college. I went to University of Tennessee. So football is quite the religion down there. Yeah. And I'm on a text thread with probably 30 guys. And that's all they talk about year round football. Like year round. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of power there. I like this idea, though, instead of getting entangled in the fight with language, because you, you almost can't win, right? Like you said, it's fighting quicksand. Right, can't win. Just focus on self-development and focus on self-responsibility. Build your, build your army. Make your ideology cooler than theirs. Mm -hmm. Give them Which competition. Is to say, like, yeah, to compete basically in the free market, right? Build Correct. something better, be better, all of these things. Does this get into your... I know you wrote this piece on desire, discipline, and direction. Mm. That seems to be related to this idea of just building yourself or building something better. Um, yeah. Could you unpack that a bit for us? Is what what does that mean? Desire, let's discipline, start with the, direction. Let's start with uh, discipline. Um, it's no such thing as motivation. Motivation is fleeting, you know. Like motivation type of thing where you watch Rocky and you're like, yeah, I got to go work out. And the next day you're like, I'm not working out. <laughs> it's very fleeting, right? You'll do 10 pushes while Rocky, you know, is, is fresh in your mind, but the next day you're just not going to do it. But discipline, oh man, discipline stays, right? Like I have a, I have several disciplines and every day I carry out my disciplines without fail. It doesn't matter. Last night, so I have a, I have a thing where, you know, um, I fell out of shape because I got the beer bug and um, I was going to the gym. I was jacked. So I got to kind of get back in the mode. So I was like, all right, so what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to just add a push up a day. So tonight is going to be 40. So uh, every day I just do one set and I just add one on. So um, I do that. So last night it, I got off my stream at like one something a.m. You think I was just like, oh, I'm tired. I'm not going to do these push-ups. No, <laughs> I got down and I did my push-ups, right? And then what happened? Renee started doing them, right? So somebody sees Renee doing them and then it's like a, 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 a trickle-down effect, right? Like mm. discipline isn't, isn't taught, it's shown. Right? Mm. Like people see discipline because I every time I do my push-up regime regimen, I um I publish it on my Instagram. So when people see you practicing discipline, they adopt it. They see, oh, okay, I see what this is like. This is just like a grind. Like this is just something you just do. You don't think about it, mm. you just do. Mm. Um, so you know, uh discipline is is where you have to start as a human being. Um 
And discipline is, is succinctly defined as doing what you have to do, even when you don't want to do it. Right. Like there's certain things that just have to get done. Just do it. Like, what are you crying about? Like, stop being a little hoe and do it. Just do it. Right. Um, so that's discipline. Um, then you have desire. Right. And, and desire works hand in hand with discipline. You have to know what you want. You have to know why you want it. Um, and it's better if it's selfless. Right. Uh, look at the family members in your life. You know, I have family members that um, I've gone through a lot, you know, and I just think about um, cousins who we were kids and, you know, hanging out, chilling at the family union. And now some of them have resorted to prostitution and then having to see them as adults that just look like, you know, like they've been aged. You know what I mean? Like they're 30, but they look 60, missing teeth, don't look healthy. And you're like, this girl was beautiful when we were younger. Like, what happened? Right. Mm-hmm. And having to see that. And then and then feeling guilty because maybe had you had discipline at an earlier age, you've been able to rescue that person. You know what I'm saying? Um, losing your cousin uh, in Florida to gang violence, losing another cousin to gang violence or just to the streets. Right. Like, this is my life. So like, like my whole mom's side of the family is just like, I'll see a cousin, he doing good. And next year, like, I don't see him, oh, he's in jail. Then he come out, he don't look good. Then it's a cycle just keeps repeating. So it's like, well, what if I was a billionaire and I was able to put all my people on their feet? So that's my thing. Like, I don't, my desire isn't about me. It's about who can I help? And that's my superpower. And I think that's everybody's superpower. When you can be selfless in your desire, it'll always drive you to, to, towards discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's desire and desire can be used to manifest things, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's, um, direction and direction is really, um, I would say it's probably the hardest part because you could be, you have all the discipline and desire you want and be in the wrong industry. <laughs> you could be in a dying industry and not even know it. You could be an industry, you know, that, um, will be obsolete in a couple of years, doesn't have much upward mobility. So that's where you have to talk to experts, right? Um, and that's where you have to study a lot. And that's that's sort of how you get your direction and say, okay, well, here's where the world is going. You know, it's just like uh, instead of learning, you know, this computer language, maybe I should learn blockchain because that's the future. Right. Maybe I should need to learn cryptocurrency because that's where the world is going. Right. So looking at the world and knowing where it's going. That gives you a sense of direction. Right. And then that's where mm-hmm. you 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 put your flag down and you start building that. And then keeping your head on the swivel for market changes because just because that's the thing now doesn't mean it's going to be a thing forever. You know what I mean? Right. Like everybody's hopping in NFTs right now. And it's just like, yeah, that shit going to die. What are you going to do after that? Right. So <laughs> you got to, that's why I don't get, you know, I know a lot of people made a, 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 a lot of money in NFTs, but I tend to not allow myself to just run to things that are quick money grabs because I get distracted from the thing I'm building now. And the thing I'm building now is going to be good a hundred years from now. Right. So I can't stop building this to go participate in some fad. Now, let me keep building what I've been building. And when it's all said and done, the little money you made from that NFT flip is not even going to be, I'll laugh at that in 50 years. (laughs) You know, that'll be like my toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's uh that that old saying right easy come easy go and right i think there's there's a lot of value in playing the long game in, in almost any situation you're in and i like this idea particularly on discipline where you're talking about it's basically just proof of work right or it's like yeah you're doing the work no matter what and you've right. just made that commitment and it doesn't matter what present you feels like whether you're tired unmotivated whatever you just do the work yeah. And that it's, there's a paradox here because that sounds like a lot of submission, right? You're kind of submitting yourself to some program or something you're going to do no matter what. Right. But in that submission to self-discipline, you find tremendous freedom. I found at least in my life, like the more yeah. you do that, the more free you become. And it's beautiful. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's cool to hear you, hear you talk about it like that. Yeah. I, I mean, mean you, still, the, the, when you don't have discipline, you you work longer like oh you'll always be working for somebody else like for example you didn't have the discipline to take the world into your own hands therefore you needed to go to college and get a college degree you needed to go get a job so somebody could feed you but had you had the discipline to work on your own startup 
after eight years, you wouldn't need an employer. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I used to go get jobs just to carry me over for my entrepreneurship, right? Like I, I didn't let me get this job. I only need like three months to carry me over mm-hmm. and that'll be enough money for a year. And then I can get back to working on my empire and I work on my empire. And I'm like, all right, the cash flowing, right. Let me go get another job. Right. So I was mm-hmm. never like working a job thinking like, Oh, I can't wait till I get my next raise. I can't wait till I get my next promotion. No, it was like, no, I'm leaving here soon. <laughs> Either you're going to fire me, which often happened because, well, I was just better than people there. And I used to get a lot of jealousy and I actually would come in like trying to help. And you're not allowed to do that at corporations. You're not actually supposed to try to help the corporation make money for some strange reason, because people hate that because you give other people work to do anyway. Um, and everybody just kind of wants to just get paid for being there. Um, but so, yeah. So if you don't have discipline, somebody else will discipline you. Right. Yes. yes. Right. If you don't yeah, have the discipline to get up at 6 a.m. and do the things you need to do for yourself, somebody else is going to say, yo, you better be at work at 6 a.m. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm reminded of that. Some quote was like, if you're not if you're not the character in your own story, you become the character in somebody else's story. Right. And it's kind of the same thing. And then the other like aspect of discipline, which is back to economics, like just the discipline to live below your means. Always. Oh, yes. Yeah. And that just snowballs over time. Right. And right. Uh, yeah, it's incredible. So look, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I want to ask you one last thing that we did talk about this book. You wrote the Patriot report mm-hmm. unmasking the conspiracy of money and war. Mm-hmm. Um, I just heard about this book as you told me offline here, but could you just tell us what that's about? Because I mean, my, the, a big focus on this show is throwing light on the corruption of money, which is the institution of central banking. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, cash rules, everything around me. Wu-Tang taught us that. Right. But what I saw, you know, I had an evolution. Right. So it was, super pro-black nationalist to super spiritual to now I'm getting to see this world of white conservatism. And then I started seeing parallels in all of them. And I'm like, oh, these are the same people <laughs> with the same problems, right? Um, and then I saw, I said, okay, the problem here comes down to three things, trust, compliance, and participation. People trust the government too much. They comply with the government too much and they participate in the government too much. So I said, I bet if people knew the truth about their government, they wouldn't participate so much. Right. Because I think trust is kind of there, like, you know, kind of broken. Most people don't trust the government, Um, but it's their actions say otherwise. Their, Their compliance. Right. Says otherwise. Their participation says otherwise because if you didn't trust something you wouldn't participate in it right like if you knew that somebody was a scammer like you wouldn't interact with them you'd be like yo you're a scammer leave me alone <laughs> right yeah. unless it's just out of fear which i get the sense that a lot of people's behavior towards government is fear-based absolutely absolutely so i'm looking at all this and i said well maybe if they knew the truth about their government and how there really technically is no government and that those wars that they thought they fought for independence weren't actually about independence at all. It was about money. They might start looking at things different. So I said, let me dig up all the facts. So I dug up all the facts between the Bank of North America, then the first bank, then the second bank. Um, we covered the Jeff- Jeffersonian era. We covered the Lincoln era. We covered, um, you know, Jefferson versus Hamilton, of course. Um, uh, Jackson's fight with the uh, central bank and Nicholas Biddle. Um, we cover um, panics, you know, 1819 panic, etc. Uh, I even went back and covered the uh, beginning of central banking, which starts in France with a dude by the name of John Law. So that's how the book starts. Actually, the book starts before that. The book starts off with, do you want to be a, would you rather be a trader or a king, a merchant or a king? And I was just showing how some of the most famous crowns of Europe were actually financed by merchants and no war supplies, et cetera, et cetera, because the kings really didn't have any wealth Um, and they were uh, financially illiterate and illiterate. Um, So they always had like money men around. So I was trying to show how like there's always a money man around. (laughs) Okay, like 
in a kingdom, when it was a monarchy, the money man was running the show. When you mm-hmm. move to like a republic style government, there's a money man around calling the shots, okay, and financing everything and manipulating you into wars and pitting you against both sides and, and, and financing both sides. Like I talked about before, how Wall Street financed both sides of the war. You know, you had um, the ISO octane technology that was um, operating over in, um, in Germany under Adolf Hitler. But the, the 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 chemical corporations like IG Farben etc and GE etc ITT were holding back patents and technologies from America and giving them to the Germans, right? But at the same time, they're operating out of America, and then like America would come down on them and say, "Hey, you guys stop doing this deal." So they'll set up a shell corporation and then run a deal through a shell corporation. So they're just like playing us the whole entire time. So I figure if I show people, you know, how you keep getting played by money men, you might understand that. You should probably buy Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did? There? <laughs> yeah, no, that's honestly probably everything I'm trying to teach in a nutshell. In a way, it's like we have all these fictions about reality, like this company or that country or whatever, but it's always about the money, right? Or you could say property in general to be more general, but money is the most important form of property. Right. And, you know, I think money, it's basically been the means and ends of all war, really, right? Like, clearly, it costs money to fund war. You only go to war if you think you can get more money conquering the guy than you're going to spend conquering the guy. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. Right. So it's, it's a business-driven decision. Correct. And then statism or government in general, it's just a business, right? right. They're just, they have a bottom line. They have revenues. Revenues are taxation and inflation. It's a business built on the profitability of coercion and violence, but it feels like if people could just see it that way, it's like every human organization is a business. Yeah. There's no government that has some higher moral aim or your best interest in mind. Like they are just individuals serving their own interest in a business. And you right. are the crop actually. If you're the taxpayer, you're the crop for that, right. that business. Model. Yeah. 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 My, you know, my, my situation is um, screw them. You know, anybody who doesn't understand, I don't talk to them. Mm. I don't try to reach the mind that doesn't understand. Usually they don't understand because they don't want to understand. I find that people that want to understand come into a realm where they end up understanding or they come to me with legitimate questions, right? Like questions that um, they're asking honestly and not to be combative, right? There's a difference there. Um, But people that come with combative questions, I just tend to ignore. I'm like, all right, now you know what? You You got it, you win. Because I'm not going to convince you of anything. You've already made up your mind. So like, why would I try to, why would I waste my energy? You know, I've done that in the past. I've I've tried it numerous times to, to, to argue somebody down and it just doesn't work. Um, So I, I I decided now I can, I can destroy somebody in a debate, but, but again, that individual is still not going to change their mind. Right. So right. the only person that won are the witnesses of the debate. And only time that's the only reason why I do debates is so that the audience can get a clear view of, you know, how people think and feel and get some facts out in the open. Um, other than that, I wouldn't debate because you're not going to convince the other side of anything. They are right. the way they are. So I focus on the uh, silent majority. I focus on, there's a lot of people out here that are watching things. They're seeing mm-hmm. the left and they're seeing the right. And they're wise enough to know that they don't know enough to make a decision. Mm. So it's that mind that I'm after. Mm-hmm. And when they the, run the into middle, the middle cohort. Yeah. On the fence. Yeah. Yeah. Like, ah, cause if they're in the middle, that means they're critically thinking. And I just, that's all I need. Is, yeah. yeah. That's all I need. I just need somebody yeah. to be open-minded and I'll tell them like, yo, here's their case. Here's my case. I don't want you to believe my case. You go, you, you need to make this decision for yourself, but here's what I think. And it usually they come to our side and I'm just like, you start yeah. start with some Rothbard and some Mises and some Soul and some Walter Williams and you'll have a wonderful journey and buy Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that really is it. And that's, I guess that's the explicate, right? That we can finally just, instead of arguing about this theoretical case for laissez-faire economies and sound money, like yeah. forget all the argument and all the, the demonstrating, we could just explicate by buying Bitcoin. Yeah, demonstrate. Tight. Yeah, demonstrate. Don't explicate. Yeah. It's like, why are you arguing? You could have been building. Mm-hmm. 
You yeah. know, I could have been working on my next piece of technology while I was arguing with some nutball. I wasn't, you know, that's a waste of time. Like I tell all right. the hotels, I'm like, yo, number one rule in the hotel, we don't argue. And we only debate our equals. Got that from John Henry Clark. We don't, we don't argue. That's just, it's a waste of time. Like we build, hotep and build. That's our, that's our motto, hotep and build. We build. We don't have time to argue. It's, we're, the world is behind the eight ball. There's no time to argue. It's all about action right now. Love that um, entrepreneurial mindset. Hotep, thank you so much, man. This has been a lot of fun. If you How could you? please let my audience know where they can find out more about you or your work. Uh, hotepjesus.com. Uh, it'll redirect to um, my uh, legal name, briansharp.co. Uh, and you can get all my books and see what I'm about. You can see my Tim Pool, Peter McCormick interviews. I was on Rogan before. I'll be on Rogan again later this year. And um, yeah, all my information is there. Um, Bitcoin company, CoinBits app will be up there. Um, yeah, my technology company is metavoider.com, our media outlet for men. Yeah, so you can get all that on my website. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Appreciate you, bro. Hey guys, I hope you found this episode valuable. At the What Is Money Show, we are striving to deliver the most valuable knowledge possible in each and every episode. However, as Aristotle said, the purpose of knowledge is action, not knowledge. So I hope you're deriving some useful knowledge from the show, and I hope it's improving the actions you are taking in your life. Speaking of action, if you want to dive deeper into the big ideas explored in this show, please sign up for my newsletter titled The Freedom Analex at breedlove22.substack.com. Also, have you bought your tickets for Bitcoin 2022 in Miami yet? If not, it's your lucky day as I am giving away 10 million sats, which is roughly 4,000 US dollars to one lucky person who buys a conference ticket through my affiliate link. My affiliate link can be found on my Twitter profile at breedlove22, um, which also has a link. My Twitter profile has a link to my link tree, which you can also visit my link tree directly for links to all my work, including Bitcoin 2022 affiliate sales. My link tree is l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e backslash breedlove22. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys watching the show. I hope you're finding some valuable knowledge in the What Is Money show, and I'll see you back here again next time.